0: The short-term investment landscape in Europe is changing. In a matter of months, new rules governing existing money market funds across the industry will be live. These changes are going to have an impact on how you manage your company's short-term cash. Hello, I'm Richard Parkinson, and welcome to this exclusive podcast created by Treasury Today in partnership with Morgan Stanley Investment Management's Global Liquidity Team. I've just arrived at Morgan Stanley's European Head Office in Canary Wharf to speak with some of their money fund experts. They're going to be telling us what we need to know about European money market fund reform. Let's meet the three experts who will be joining us today. First up…
1: Hi, I'm Kim Hochfeldt. I'm the EMEA Head of Liquidity Distribution at Morgan Stanley Investment Management. I run our distribution effort for our European and Asian client base.
2: Next. Hi, I'm Douglas McPhail. I'm a Senior Portfolio Manager for the Morgan Stanley Liquidity Funds. I run the Euro and
0: Sterling portfolios. And thirdly, joining us on the line from New York.
3: Hi, I'm Scott Wax, the Global Head of Liquidity Product. I'm based in New York and I'm responsible for the management and development of our product array.
1: Hi, Richard. How are you doing? (laughs) Hi, Hi, Richard.
3: Nice to meet you. How are you guys doing today?
0: Well, I'm delighted to uh, be here with the three of you, or at least uh, virtually with you, Scott, as you're obviously based in New York. You know, we're here looking out across London, but at the same time, there are many Treasury teams who are considering their short-term investment strategies given the oncoming uh, regulation. Now, I think a really good place to start will be to find out exactly what the new regulations entail and when they're going into effect. So, Scott, the, the new legislation is going to result in three types of funds, as I understand it, rather than the single short-term money market fund type offered across the industry today. Perhaps you could tell us a bit more about these funds.
3: Sure, Richard. Be glad to. And you're right, Richard. There are going to be three types of money market funds, all very appropriate for short-term cash investing. The two that offer the most similar construct to how short-term money market funds operate today are the Public Debt CNAV and the LVNAV options. The Public Debt CNAV fund is a constant net asset value fund, and it has some distinguishing characteristics. First off, it must invest a minimum of 99.5% of its assets into government issued or government guaranteed debt instruments. It can also invest in repos backed by the same, or it can invest in cash. Secondly, It fully utilizes amortized cost accounting, and this means the fund transacts at two decimal places. But something new in this new regulatory regime is trigger-based fees and gates. The LVNAV fund is the low-volatility net asset value fund. It has limited use of amortized cost accounting – The fund transaction pricing is at a constant unit value, again to two decimal places, similar to the public debt CNAP fund, but it can only continue to price at this level as long as the portfolio NAV does not deviate by more than 20 basis points from a one unit per share. If it breaks this collar, the fund must transact at a market-based NAV per share, and in that case, the price would be rounded out to four decimal places instead of two the variable net asset value fund, the VNAV fund, this one uses full market-based pricing out to four decimal places, or even more decimal places if the investor is using the accumulating share class. And this fund transacts at this market price. Now, different than the other two fund types, a very important difference is that the only fund type that is not subject to trigger-based fees and gates. But it does still have the provision for fees and gates under existing UCITS rules, which is at board discretion.
0: Thanks, Scott. Now tell us, when will the new legislation come into effect?
3: All new money market funds, which have launched since the 21st of July 2018, have been required to comply with the new regulations. Existing money market funds are required to comply by the 21st of January 2019.
0: So change is coming to money funds and coming soon. So now we needed to turn to what corporates are saying and thinking. Okay, now, Kim, tell us, should investors welcome the new regulations?
1: We believe that investors should definitely welcome the new regulations, as they were created as a way to make the funds more transparent and robust for them, and they were designed specifically with the interests of investors in mind. The new regs mandate more transparency, and that includes daily publication of the fund's liquidity levels, the daily publication of the mark to market NAV on the two stable NAV portfolios, and also a more frequent dissemination of the credit profile and the maturity profile of the fund. Investors definitely need to understand the differences as to how these funds are going to operate, but broadly speaking, the new regs should definitely be welcomed.
0: Okay, so there are some clear benefits for the corporate investors, but Douglas, tell me, how do the new rules impact you as a fund manager? Are you going to manage things differently?
2: No, I mean, we do not intend to change our investment philosophy or strategy. Uh, We will continue to run the portfolios to comply, for example, with our rating agency methodologies. These methodologies ensure that we will maintain our AAA money market fund ratings, And the rating agency methodology actually limits our investment flexibility far more than the regulations. So capital preservation and liquidity are still paramount. Our credit process hasn't changed and arguably could be viewed as more robust under these new regulations. We will increase daily and weekly liquidity in our portfolios due to the new requirements, especially as in the portfolios that are subject to trigger-based fees and gates. As we know, investors will be focused on these figures. We will be too. Our goal is to avoid having any fees and gates imposed at any time. Liquidity in short term VNAV funds will also be managed at levels higher than prescribed by the regulations. The regulations only prescribe 7.5% daily liquidity and 15% weekly liquidity for short term VNAV funds. But in order to meet our investor liquidity and
0: rating agency requirements, we will continue to run the funds against their current liquidity levels. Now, you mentioned there fees and gates again, and one of the things that we have heard lots from the corporates is their concerns around the concepts of fees and gates. Scott, should investors be concerned?
3: No, I don't think investors should be particularly concerned. Importantly, fees and gates are not new to these funds, and I don't think all investors actually realize that. Under the USITS rules, funds could choose to implement fees and gates, and those rules have been in place for a long, long time. However, these usage rules were designed to be utilized only in extraordinary circumstances and fully based on board discretion. Our fund's board, or our Morgan Standard Liquidity Fund, has never felt the need in the history of the funds to use this type of liquidity tool. But what's new about the fees and gates under the new European money market fund reform is that they are trigger-based, and that's the new wrinkle that's been introduced. There's this two-prong test for the public debt CNAV fund and the LVNAV fund that these trigger-based fees and gates apply to. The first prong is that weekly assets must drop below 30%, and the second, which has to happen on the same day at the same time, is that daily net redemptions are greater than 10%. Fees and gates are discretionary, again, at board discretion at this point. But if the weekly liquidity drops below 10%, it is mandatory to implement a liquidity measure.
0: And are you saying you wouldn't expect to see fees and gates implemented?
3: Yeah, Richard, we believe the funds will be managed in such a manner that the possibility of the implementation of these liquidity measures is very remote. Douglas mentioned how he expects to increase daily and weekly liquidity in our portfolios, the ones that are subject to trigger-based fees and gates, and this will even mitigate further the possibility of such an occurrence. But we recommend that it would be prudent for investors to closely monitor of funds' weekly liquidity levels. We anticipate that fund managers will make this very easy to do by publishing this information on their websites. And it's also important to note that short term money market fund portfolios have historically been managed with weekly liquidity levels in excess of 30%, as per USITS, Infra, and rating agency guidelines. For public debt CNAV funds, the possibility of fees and gates will be extremely remote. The reason for this is the underlying assets in the fund and the limitations on them to government-backed securities and cash. This means it is highly unlikely that the weekly liquid assets could ever drop below 10%.
0: And um, what about the VNAV funds, where, as I understand it from what you said earlier, there isn't a sort of compulsory fees and Gates, and um, surely any drop in value would be reflected in the share price?
3: Yeah, for the VNAV fund... The usage rules will remain in place, and they permit a liquidity fee, a redemption gate, or a full suspension of redemption at the board's discretion, but not specifically based on certain triggers. From a practical standpoint, this would only be considered in extremely extraordinary, and I would suggest very dire, circumstances. Again, it's important to note that the Morgan Stanley Fund Board has never needed to utilize these these tools in the past.
0: Well, hopefully that's going to put some corporates at ease and hopefully no fund will ever need to utilise these tools. But I think there's probably another area of concern, which I think is around the negative interest rates in the euro and the share cancellation debate, reflecting these negative interest rates. Could someone update me on the latest news around this? Douglas? So there's still no
2: formal guidance from the European Commission at this point, and it's getting very late in the process. At Morgan Stanley, we're planning for both an LVNAV and a VNAV option. We are certain that an accumulating VNAV structure is workable and negative interest rates. We are less clear, however, as to whether an LVNAV incorporating the reverse distribution mechanism, or RDM, which incorporates the share cancellation, will be allowed. There may be differences in how VNAV share classes are structured, but there needs to be a number of decimal places in order to accurately reflect the interest accrual. Morgan Stanley funds have historically priced the eight significant figures and intend to keep this structure going forward. Positive rates for euros could be possible in 2020 or perhaps even 2021. Even if LVNAV is not workable right now, clients could still move back into an LVNAV fund when net yields return to positive territory.
0: And uh, in the meantime, I guess we await the formal guidance from the regulators. But perhaps we can turn to what clients are thinking. Kim?
1: Well, Richard, using a money fund works on so many different levels for investors. As a reminder, the current assets under management in CNAV euro money funds stands today at around 100 billion euros banks definitely do not have the appetite to take that money back on balance sheet, particularly in today's rate environment. So despite all the uncertainty as to how Euro funds are gonna be processed, we think that clients are gonna stay in money market funds, irrespective of the structural changes that we're seeing across all three currencies. What will be interesting to see is to see how much money stays in short-term money market funds, whether it's an Alvina structure or a VNAV structure, or if investors are going to accept a level of variability in the NAV of their fund and then move out into standard money market funds. These funds carry a higher level of risk in order to generate a little bit more return, but we think perhaps once investors have accepted the fact that their NAV is going to move, they might choose to accept more risk in their product. So, of course, the accounting treatment, particularly around VNAV funds, adds a whole nother element of complexity to any investor's decision-making process. And what about
0: the accounting treatment?
1: This is the multi-million dollar, euro, pound question. So we've actually just written a paper on this where we've used a metaphor, if it walks like a duck, talks like a duck, and quacks like a duck, it has to be a duck. And we've used this metaphor to show that money funds post-reform will still operate in a very similar fashion to how they do today. And the argument is, if structurally they're still the same, they still walk like a duck, talk like a duck, and quack like a duck, and today they accounted for as a cash and cash equivalent, then there's absolutely no reason why there shouldn't be a cash and cash equivalent tomorrow. So a fund today is used as a cash investment if post-reform an investor's still using a fund for day-to-day liquidity, the intention has not changed. The liquidity profile of the portfolio, if anything, has actually got more liquid rather than any less liquid than they are today. The fund still has the same features as cash equivalents, And the fund NAV is subject to insignificant changes in value. That's not zero changes of value, but insignificant changes of value if it's a VNAF fund. So why wouldn't it be classified as a cash and cash equivalent? Clearly, I'm not an auditor, and Morgan Stanley can't give accounting advice, but if you're looking at the conceptual framework of how a fund will be accounted for, we can't understand why a short-term VNAF fund would not be seen as a cash and cash equivalent. Unfortunately, outside of France, there is no certainty around the accounting treatment of any of the different kinds of short-term money funds, whether LVNAV or VNAV. We are encouraging all our clients to have a discussion with their auditors sooner rather than later around this concept.
0: So, Kim, with the deadline approaching, what should clients be focusing on in the coming months to ensure that they're ready for these changes?
1: Well, the first question they should ask themselves is, does my investment policy need to be changed? For example, a client might need to see if their investment policy requires a stable NAV fund as part of their criteria. If they invest in euros, particularly given the uncertainty around RDM, this definitely needs to be a point that has to be addressed to allow for a VNAV fund.
0: And what about the practical day-to-day issues?
1: Well, there are lots of issues here that investors need to think about. The first is, for example, is intraday liquidity a requirement? So. What cutoff times are investors operating under in order to make an ongoing outward payment? So just to be very clear, the low volatility NAV funds and the public debt CNAF funds will operate the same way that they do today. And that means there'll be intraday liquidity with batch cycle payments throughout the fund's opening hours. For a VINA fund, on the other hand, the funds will generally strike an NAV a couple of times during the day in order to provide clients with liquidity at these valuation points. What this means in practical terms for clients is that redemptions will not be processed until after an NAV is struck. So that's a big change to how the funds operate today. So... As a result of this, clients need to think about what changes they need to build into any operational processes, if their platforms need some changing, if their treasury management systems need adjusting, and also they need to be thinking about having enough time to make outbound payments. Now,
0: do you think clients will invest in more than one fund type?
1: Yes, I do think that will happen. I think based on the conversations we've had with clients, investors are getting a lot more sophisticated about segmenting their cash, and that will mean they'll naturally diversify across the fund type. So, for example, if they don't actually need so much day-to-day liquidity, we do see investors pushing out some of the duration and credit risk profiles in order to generate a higher yield. So, yes, we will see different fund types being used. Are there any other points to remember? Another piece of advice that we're encouraging clients to look at is to build in processes whereby they can monitor daily and weekly liquidity levels for both the public debt CNAV and the LVNAV structures. And clearly, as you heard Scott and Douglas talking earlier, the reason for that is to ensure that the funds they're investing in are not going to be subject to any trigger-based fees and gates by dropping below certain liquidity levels. We understand that many of the platform providers and the information and data providers around money market funds will be publishing these levels too, as we will on our website.
0: Okay, so there's a, a fair bit there to be working through, and hopefully many treasury teams have already started. And in fact, on that point, what's the general feedback you're getting from your clients? And Is there any sort of best practices that you're seeing being formed?
1: Yeah, there's definitely a theme coming back from investors. So LVNAV is definitely the path of least resistance as such. It's the fund type that looks and feels pretty similar to what investors are used to today. And in the sterling and the dollar space, that's almost a slam dunk for many investors. And that seems to be the most popular choice. And it offers a very similar user experience to the one they have today. Unfortunately, in the euro space, it's more complicated due to the lack of regulatory clarity around the reverse distribution mechanism used to process negative rates. So, our advice to all euro investors is that they need to be prepared to adopt a VNAV structure, even if at the 11th hour, we as a fund house are able to use some kind of RDM structure if the regulators approve it in time. So, The other thing I should just emphasize again and again, and we have this discussion all the time with investors, that a short-term VNAV euro fund will be managed in a, a virtually identical fashion by Morgan Stanley as an LVNAV fund. So although we're allowed to run a VNAV fund with lower liquidity levels, we will choose not to do so, so that we can maintain a AAA rating and the right level of liquidity for our investors, whether they're in an LVNAV structure or a VNAV structure. The other thing I should say is the best practice that's coming out from my investors is that an early internal sign-off procedure is definitely very helpful for all treasury teams. So we are seeing teams that are going to their investment committees or to their boards for sign-off on both LVNAV and sometimes VNAV, depending on what currencies they're investing in. And we encourage all corporate treasury teams to make sure this is done well in advance of the implementation deadline.
0: And um, what's the feedback from clients regarding the accounting treatment?
1: Is there any? Well, clients are busy discussing their accounting changes with their accountants to ensure that their fund choices will still be viewed as cash and cash equivalents post-implementation. So we at Morgan Stanley have pulled together a framework to assist investors in having this discussion with their auditors. But ultimately, this is a decision that is down to each investor and their audit firm.
0: Now, perhaps we should look forward... I mean, Scott, are there going to be any other new products that are going to be launched as a result of the EMEA money market fund reform?
3: Yes, Richard. We are looking to launch up to five new products subject to investor demand, board approval, and, of course, regulatory approval. Three of these new products will fall under the short-term money market fund category and two of them under the standard money market fund category. We will be prepared to offer a full product palette to our clients if they require it.
0: I'd like to wrap up by asking you, Kim, one final question. What does the future hold for the money fund industry post-January 2019? And how do you think corporates can ensure that they get the most out of their investments in funds?
1: Well, Richard, while we think that the changes being imposed on the industry might take a while for investors to get used to, Longer term, we really believe that these are positive for money funds because they're designed to make the product more robust and more transparent, which in turn should really incentivize cash-rich investors to use money funds to manage their excess liquidity. Basel III and banks' appetite for short data deposits is not going away anytime soon. And coupled with the rising rate environments in dollars and in sterling, hopefully euros, sometime not, in the not-too-distant future, the attractive yield and the risk diversification that a money fund offers will really drive investors to continue using these funds for their short-term liquidity management. How can corporates ensure they get the most out of their investments in money funds? We really feel that the corporate investors should firstly ensure that they and their organizations understand the new fund structures well in advance of Q4 when the regs are going to kick in. Secondly, that they make the requisite operational and investment policy amendments now in good time. And thirdly, we reiterate the diversification and access to liquidity that a money fund can offer them when they manage their short-term cash balances. We also want to remind all investors, not just our own, that your fund providers are there to help you during this transition. Lean on us for information and assistance to get you through this period of change. We have more information that you could ever possibly need.
0: Well said. Well, thank you, everyone. That was most interesting.
1: Thank you for listening to
0: this Treasury Today podcast created with Morgan Stanley Global Liquidity. I've been Richard Parkinson. If you found it interesting... There are many more on the Treasury Today website or wherever you get your podcasts. Bye.